We welcome you to the Tabernacle Podcast, brought to you by the Tabernacle Baptist Church in Hickory, North Carolina. If you'd like to learn more about Tabernacle, you can visit our website, tabernaclebaptistchurch.com. You can find other sermons like this one on Apple Podcasts, YouTube, and Sermon Audio. It is our prayer that God has used this message to be an encouragement to your heart. We're in Psalm 92 this morning, and I hope you'll look there with me, Psalm 92. We'll begin reading in verse number one, and uh, the title of this psalm, you may have it at the top of uh, the psalm in your Bible, a psalm or song for the Sabbath day. This is a worship song. This is for the, uh, the Hebrews as they would gather on the Sabbath and as they would worship the Lord as they would meditate upon him. Of course, we as Christians in the New Testament era, we meet on the first day of the week, the Lord's Day. And so this could be a song for the Lord's Day for us. And one that I hope will be an encouragement, a blessing to you, especially as we move into this week, uh, Thanksgiving week. Notice, if you would, please, as we read it together, beginning in verse 1, it is a good thing to give thanks unto the Lord. And to sing praises unto thy name, O Most High. To show forth thy loving kindness in the morning, and thy faithfulness every night. Upon an instrument of ten strings, and upon the psaltery, upon the harp, with a solemn sound. But thou, Lord, hast made me glad through thy work. I will triumph in the works of thy hands, O Lord. How great are thy works, and thy thoughts are very deep. A brutish man knoweth not, neither doth a fool understand this. When the wicked spring is the grass, and when all the workers of iniquity do flourish, it is that they shall be destroyed forever. But thou, Lord, art most high forevermore. For lo, thine enemies, O Lord, for lo, thine enemies shall perish all the workers of iniquity shall be scattered. But my horn shalt thou exalt like the horn of a unicorn. I shall be anointed with fresh oil. Mine eye also shall see my desire on mine enemies, and mine ears shall hear my desire of the wicked that rise up against me. The righteous shall flourish like the palm tree. He shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon. Those that be planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. They shall still bring forth fruit in old age. They shall be fat and flourishing to show that the Lord is upright. He is my rock, and there is no unrighteousness in him. I want you to notice the phrase we find in verse number 1. It's the opening phrase of this psalm. It is a good thing to give thanks unto the Lord. I want to speak to you on the subject this morning. It is, a, it is good to give thanks. It is good to give thanks. And as we have entered into Thanksgiving week, may God help us to learn to be thankful people, not just in the days ahead, but through every day of our lives. It is good to give thanks unto the Lord. The psalmist is writing these words 
in the backdrop or in the setting of the struggles of life and the difficulties that he faced and that all of us face. As we live among those who do not know God and those who, quite frankly, are the enemies, as the psalmist referred to them, of the Lord. As we live in this wicked and perverse world, we need to understand that it is our responsibility, it is our duty, and it is our privilege to give thanks unto the Lord. In the midst of these difficulties and these challenges that we face, I want you to notice that in verse number 8, the Bible says, But thou, Lord, art most high forevermore. We have someone that we can go to. We have someone that we can look to. In verse number 15, as we give thanks to the Lord, we show that the Lord is upright. The psalmist said, He is my rock, and there is no unrighteousness in him. Therefore, church, I would submit to you this morning, as did the psalmist, it is good to give thanks. And may the Lord help us to be ever thankful. Colossians chapter 3 and verse number 15 tells us that we as believers are to let the peace of God rule in our hearts. There are many threats to our peace, many disruptions that come to us, the difficulties and challenges that comes to our lives on a daily basis that, that threatens our peace. But the Bible says that we are to let the peace of God rule in our hearts in the midst of these trials and afflictions and difficulties that we often face, we face really on a daily basis. We can allow God's peace to rule in our hearts. And he says in Colossians 3.15, let the peace of God rule in your hearts to the which also ye are called in one body and be ye thankful. You see, there's a link between God's peace and between our gratitude. And may God teach us to be thankful people, thankful people who are thankful for the privileges and the blessings that God has bestowed upon us. Paul wrote to the church at Thessalonica in 1 Thessalonians as he is wrapping up his epistle in, in chapter number 5. He says this in verse 18, 1 Thessalonians 5 and verse 18, in everything give thanks. Well, that's a challenging statement, isn't it? In everything, in every circumstance, in every difficulty, in every blessing, and in every celebration, but in every moment of sorrow and tribulation, in everything, give thanks. How can we give thanks in everything? Because we have a God, as the psalmist said in verse 8, who is most high forevermore. We have a God who is above our circumstance. We have a God who is above our difficulty. We have a God who cares and is concerned and is touched with the feeling of our infirmities, a God that we can look to in the midst of our difficulties. In everything, give thanks. Notice this, please. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Do you know that in the midst of our trials and tribulations, it's God's will that we learn to give thanks to him? I'm going to tell you, it's easy to give thanks to God when things are going well. 
when the prayer answers are coming in in the fashion that we prescribe. Lord, would you do this? Would you do that? And man, it's happening and that's exciting and things are going good. But when things are hitting us from all different angles, things that we never expected, difficulties and trials and tribulations and disappointments and heartaches, when those things come, it's very difficult for you and I to be thankful. But God teaches us to be thankful. And the psalmist tells us it is good. It's a good thing. It's a good thing. Why is it a good thing to be thankful? because it expresses our gratitude to God for the blessings that he has bestowed upon us. It reminds us in the difficulties, in the challenges, that God has been good to us because we're prone to say to the Lord, uh, what many will say, what have you done for me lately? And to value God only based upon our immediate needs and our perceived response or our perception of his response, rather, to those immediate needs. But when we give thanks to God, we remember his blessings. We express our dependence upon him. We recognize that everything we have has come to us because of his mercy and his goodness. And it changes our perspective. It changes our attitude when we learn to give thanks to God. But not only that, it glorifies him. It glorifies him not just simply for what we want him to do or what he has done, but it glorifies him for who he is. And it magnifies his name among a lost and dying world when we as God's people give thanks to God. So I submit to you as we enter into Thanksgiving week, as we go about every day of our lives from here forward, it's good to give thanks. And may God teach us to be thankful people. I want to give you four reasons that the psalmist gives us here that it is good to give thanks. And we'll start with the first one. Number one, it is good to give thanks for the grace that God bestows. It is good to give thanks for the grace that God bestows. No doubt the psalmist, like many of us, is encountering difficulty. And so he reminds himself and others who will read his words afterwards, it is a good thing to give thanks unto the Lord and to sing praises unto thy name, O Most High. Well, this morning we have come and we have sung praises to the Lord. I will praise him. That was the opening hymn. I will praise him. Praise him in the good. Praise him in what we would call the bad. Praise him in our uncertainty. Praise him in our perplexity. Praise him in our discomfort. Praise him in the unknown. May God help us to praise him. He is worthy of our praise. And to sing to him, that is an expression, that is a form of our worship. To sing praises unto his name. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. Heir of salvation, purchase of God. Born of his spirit, washed in his blood. That tells us we belong to the Lord. It's a glorious thing to sing praises unto God. 
He's always been faithful. This is my anthem. This is my song. The theme of the stories I've heard for so long. God has been faithful. He will be again. His loving compassion, it knows no end. All I have need of, his hand will provide. He's always been faithful to me. What a glorious song. What, what a glorious thing for God's people to gather and to sing praises unto the name of the Most High. And what do we sing of? Look at verse 2. To show forth thy loving kindness. The loving kindness of God. Well, that's what the song told us about, wasn't it? God has been faithful. He will be again. His loving compassion, it knows no end. In Psalm 136, this word loving kindness is, is interpreted mercy. The mercy and the loving kindness of God. There is no word in English that really equates to the Hebrew word for loving kindness. But in Psalm 136, you'll see this used word, or excuse me, this word used 26 times. And all 26 times it is used to proclaim that God's kindness and love are eternal. You know, the kindness of people is very much appreciated. In fact, it's become so uncommon that we stop and note it, note it today, don't we? But oftentimes, kindness, human kindness, runs out when humans are unhappy. But God's kindness never runs out. It never runs out. The psalmist had made it clear in Psalm 136 that God's kindness and faithfulness serve as the foundation for his actions and his character. It underlies his goodness it supports his unchallenged position as God and Lord. It is the basis for his great and wondrous acts in creation, in delivering and redeeming his people from Pharaoh and the Red Sea, the reason for his guidance in the desert, his gift of the land to Israel and defeat of their enemies, his ancient as well as his continuing deliverance of his people, his rulership in heaven, all of it is explained by God's loving kindness. In other words, all of the blessings and all of the things that God has bestowed upon us and done on our behalf is as a result of his loving kindness. I believe that we can thank the Lord and praise him with song because of his loving kindness to us. And Psalm 136 demonstrates for us that God's kindness is abundant. It's exceeding great. It is without end. And it is good. And so the psalmist said to show forth thy loving kindness in the morning and thy faithfulness every night. God is dependable. God is trustworthy. You can always count on God. And so it's good for us to give thanks. 
for the grace that he bestows, the grace of his loving kindness, the grace of his faithfulness. We should sing of it. We should shout it. We should proclaim it. We should speak of it. And how often should we do so? Well, he says, in the morning and in every night. We should talk about God's goodness all the time. In the morning and in the night, without ceasing, Paul said, we give thanks to you or thanks for you. And then he says to us, in everything, in every circumstance, in every trial, give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. So thanks is not something we do just simply on Thanksgiving or on the Lord's Day. It's something we should learn to do every day. And instead of in most things complaining, let's learn that in everything we're to give thanks. In many things groaning, in many things murmuring, in many things expressing our unhappiness and discontentment. How about in everything, give thanks. Upon an instrument of ten strings and upon the psaltery and upon the harp with a solemn sound. You know, God created music and God can use music and instruments to glorify his name. I'm thankful for all of the folks who serve in our music ministry and uh, our instrumental ministry. God is faithful. He's worthy of our praise. Psalm 100 tells us that we're to make a joyful noise unto the Lord. Because the psalmist said in verse 4 of, of Psalm 92, For thou, Lord, hast made me glad through thy work. You see, we're encouraged when we begin to thank God, when we begin to praise God, uh, when we give thanks to God, it gladdens our heart. And the psalmist says in Psalm 100 that we're to make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Know ye that the Lord, he is God. It is he that hath made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. That's what a church service ought to be like. Joyful, glad, with singing, and thanksgiving, and praise, and gratitude, and blessing. All of those things ought to mark a church service. But let me say, all of those things ought to mark a Christian life. A Christian home. A Christian home should be characterized by joy, by gladness, by singing, by thanksgiving, by praise, and by blessing. Not just a church service, but a Christian life and a Christian home. Remember now, it is a good thing to give thanks unto the Lord. But let me read the last verse of Psalm 100. By the way, generation who are concerned about the fact that many young people are walking away from the truth and from the faith and from the church, I'm concerned about that too. But in Psalm 100 and verse 5, I think we could find an answer. The Bible said, for the Lord is good. How many of you would say that's true? 
For the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting. And His truth endureth to all generations. You see, we live in a generation where many are turning from the truth. And I believe there's a, a direct link between ingratitude and losing the generations. You see, when parents are more concerned about things and having than they are the person they worship and the one they serve, when they're too busy to deal with things, too distracted, they leave a generation behind, a child that is left to himself. It is a folly and a shame. Just this week in the news, uh, it has been brought to our attention that there are influencers who are, who are reading the words of Osama bin Laden as if he, they were somehow justified words that he wrote to, to justify the terror attacks on September 11th. It's taking place in our country. That's a generation that's been left to itself, a generation that's forgotten, a generation that doesn't understand. And I want to tell you that when my home is filled with discontentment and murmuring and complaining and strife, it's going to really be hard for my kids to get a hold of the truth because the truth doesn't seem to make a difference at home and in the heart. So I want to submit to you this morning, it's a good thing to give thanks to God. It's a good thing to give thanks to God for the grace that He bestows. And secondly, I want you to see it is good to give thanks for the work He performs. You see, we do not have a God who is somehow removed from uh, the daily lives of His people. He, he is not uh, uninvolved. He doesn't stand aloof in the heavens while we're down here on earth trying to figure all this out. By the way, that's the world's view of God, if they have a God at all. A God who is unconcerned, a God who is disinterested, that's the God that the world has a glimpse of. But that's not the true and the living God. Our God is active. He's involved. He's engaged. And notice in verse 4, For thou, Lord, hast made me glad through thy work. I will triumph in the works of thy hands. O Lord, how great are thy works, and thy thoughts are very deep. Here's something that we can know. God is at work. He's at work. He is involved. He is engaged. And you and I can rejoice in the work he has done. Notice again in verse 4, for thou, Lord, hast made me glad through thy work. When I consider what God has done, the psalmist said, when I look at all that God has done, he said, I am overcome. I am filled with love. I am filled with adulation that God has set his affection on me. I'm overwhelmed that God would take note of me and that he would go to work on my behalf. And it causes me to rejoice in the work that God has done. What work has God done? Well, he spoke the universe into existence, did he not? 
He hung the stars in space. He created all that we see. He formed man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. A beautiful work he did, the work of creation. But something happened. Sin came in. And God immediately began the work of redemption. The promise of the seed of the woman that would come 2,000 years ago in the form of the babe born in the manger. The Son of God who became a man without ceasing to be God, who lived among us a sinless, perfect life, who overcame the devil, who went to the cross bearing not his sin but ours, who shed his blood and suffered and died to make the payment for our sin, who was buried in the tomb, who rose again the third day, who gives life to all who believe, whoever lives to make intercession, who is coming again to redeem this earth and deliver it from the foes and the enemies and restore it as God created it. I want to say to you, we see God's work in creation. We see God's work in redemption. We see God's work in revelation as he has given to us the perfect, infallible, inerrant, and inspired word of God. We see God's work in dominion, how he is orchestrating the affairs of our lives and of this world to bring all things to pass, just as he said. And I want to say to you this morning, we can rejoice in the work that God has done. And rejoicing in the work that God has done will cause us to rest in the work that he will do. Because as verse 4 says, For thou, O Lord, hast made me glad through thy work. I will triumph in the works of thy hands. No matter what difficulties, no matter what challenges, no, what, no matter what opposition may come to me, I'm on the winning side. I can rest in what God will do, no matter what uncertainties you're facing, perplexities or difficulties challenges that are upon you at this moment that have a tendency to weigh you down and overwhelm you and cause you to develop a defeated attitude. Let me say that when you learn and when I learn to give thanks unto God and to rest in what he will do, he will bring me to victory. Rejoice in the work he has done. Rest in the work he will do. Rehearse his works. Look at verse 5. O Lord, how great are thy works, and thy thoughts are very deep. His ways are past finding out. His thoughts are so far above our thoughts. We can't understand what God is doing, but we know that God is doing, and he is working according to his counsel. Look at verse 6. A brutish man knoweth not. Jude refers to those natural brute beasts a brutish man is one who who has no knowledge of god who who just follows instinct and follows desire a brute and neither doth the fool the bible says the fool has said in his heart there is no god a brutish man knoweth not neither doth the fool understand this they, they don't perceive the works of god Verse 7, when the wicked spring is the grass, and when all the workers of iniquity do flourish, it is that they shall be destroyed forever. They don't realize the judgment that they're facing. 
but thou, Lord, art most high. You see, the psalmist is living in the midst of brutish people and foolish people, and so too are you and I. In the midst of wicked people who parade their immorality down the main streets of our cities. Leaders who are brutes and foolish people. Reprobate. They cannot be reasoned with. The masses on the streets marching in support of Hamas. A murderous, wicked, violent group. Who would, without a moment's hesitation, destroy all those marching in support of them? They don't understand this. They don't understand it. They don't get it. But yet, though the world doesn't get it, you and I do. That's something to be thankful for, isn't it? That those who don't understand, those who don't know, yet in the midst of that, and by the way, such were some of us, right? But now we know. Why? Because we've received the truth of God's Word. We have the Holy Spirit living in us. We have the Word of God to guide us. What a blessing. I want to say it is good to give thanks for the work that God performs. Let me give you a third reason. It is good to give thanks for the victory He has won. Look at verse 9. For lo, thine enemies, O Lord, for lo, thine enemies shall perish. All the workers of iniquity shall be scattered, but my horn shalt thou exalt like the horn of a unicorn. I shall be anointed with fresh oil. Mine eye also shall see my desire on mine enemies, and mine ears uh, shall hear my desire of the wicked that rise up against me. It is good, number three, to give thanks for the victory that God has won. God has won the victory. And so it is good to give thanks to God for the victory that he has won. In Philippians chapter 2 and verse number 9, the Bible tells us that God also hath highly exalted him, Christ. God has exalted his son and given him a name which is above every name. He has the greatest name. He is the most high forevermore. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow. They should bow in submission. Who will bow in submission? Things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth. There's no creature that won't bow in submission to Jesus. All the enemies of God will bow. By the way, all of us were enemies of God. All have sinned, the Bible says, and come short of the glory of God. We've all got the same problem. We're sinners. And when we're confronted with the truth of our sin and our enmity against God, we recognize that Christ came to offer peace to all of his enemies. And if we'll simply confess our sin and trust in the sacrifice of the blood of Christ that was shed for us, if we'll call upon him, if we'll bow the knee to him, if we'll confess the tongue to him, if we'll do it in this life, we shall have peace with God. But yet there are those who resist him and walk on in their enmity and in their adversarial ways against Christ. But one day all of them will bow the knee and all of their tongues will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. I want you to know he is the conqueror. Paul wrote it this way in 1 Corinthians 15 in verse 24. 
He said, then cometh the end. This is what's going to happen at the end. When he, that's Jesus, shall have delivered up the kingdom to God, even the Father, when he shall have put down all rule and all authority and power, for he must reign till he hath put all enemies under his feet. The last enemy that shall be destroyed is death. Well, this is what the psalmist is telling us. He's telling us in verse 9, For lo, thine enemies, O Lord, for lo, thine enemies shall perish. They will all be destroyed. Jesus has won the victory. But those of us who know the Lord Jesus in the midst of all this perishing can rejoice that we are partakers of the victory. Look at verse 10. But my horn shalt thou exalt like the horn of a unicorn. I shall be anointed with fresh oil. I will receive strength. The same God who will bring judgment upon the wicked will strengthen his children. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 57, But thanks be to God which giveth us the victory. I don't have to win it. I receive it. He's won it, and I share in it. He giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. And Paul said in Romans 8 verse 35, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, that's that problem you're going through right now, distress, difficulties, persecution, famine, having a hard time financially, nakedness, you have necessity, needs that doesn't seem to be being met, peril, danger, or sword. None of those things. None of those things can separate us from the love of Jesus. Look at verse 37, Romans 8. Nay, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. I've got some good news for you this morning. You may not feel like it today, but if you know Jesus, you're on the winning side. And if you'll learn to give thanks, the feeling will follow. So I want to say this to you this morning. It's good to give thanks for the grace that God bestows. It is good to give thanks for the works that God performs and it is good to give thanks for the victory that God has won here's the last one and I hasten it is good to give God thanks for the promises he has given I might be having a difficult time right now I I, I may be facing challenges but I need to understand the reality by the way perspective is an important thing isn't it I mean, there are times when, when I feel defeated and I'm greatly discouraged. I mean, lots of times like that, challenging times. Times that you want to quit, times that you wonder if, you're, if, if anything is going to work out. But if we just get a different perspective, we'll find out things aren't quite as bad as we think they are. Because the devil, he, he tries to hide those truthful perspectives from us. Well, the psalmist has gotten a new perspective here in verse 12 because he's learned to give thanks. And by the way, giving thanks will give you a new perspective. Look at verse 12. Not filled now with despair, but filled with hope. The righteous shall, what's that word, church? Flourish like the palm tree. He shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon. Those that be planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish. 
in the courts of our God. They shall still bring forth fruit in old age. They shall be fat and flourishing. To show that the Lord is upright, He is my rock, and there is no unrighteousness in Him. You know what happens to us? We start going through difficulties. We start blaming God. As if God has somehow let us down. As if God perhaps has made a mistake. And, and, and let something happen to us. As if it is beyond His control. But the Bible tells us in verse 15 that we should show forth in our gratitude that the Lord is upright. That means he makes no mistakes, that he doesn't deal with us unjustly, that he is my rock, he is my security, he's my salvation, and there is no unrighteousness in him. God doesn't treat me unfairly or unjustly. God is always right. He's always good. Well, that'll help me. Because he's made a promise to me. And his promises are no better than his character. In other words, if I can't trust him for who he is, then I can't trust his promise. But in verse 15, I find out that I can trust him. He is trustworthy. Therefore, his promises are good. So what has he promised? He's promised that God's people will flourish. Will flourish. Will grow. Will have success in life. I'm not talking about the world's measures of success. I'm talking about being obedient to God and experiencing his blessings and his faithful hand, his presence among us at all times. Notice these words. <clears throat> the righteous shall flourish, flourish like the palm tree. He shall grow uh, like a cedar in Lebanon. Those that be planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. You see, we've been planted. God's placed us right where he has us. We're not wild saplings growing out here in the desert. We've been planted by the Lord. A palm tree has a deep root. We're rooted. That palm tree can survive in desert arid climates because those roots are deep and it draws nutrients from the ground. And you and I have some deep roots, the Holy Spirit dwelling in us, the word of God to anchor us and growing, flourishing. God has promised that if we'll be obedient to him, he will bless us. He's blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places. God's people will flourish, and God's people will remain fruitful. This is a promise of God. Notice in verse 14, they shall bring forth fruit in old age. God doesn't have withered old trees. He has fruitful old trees. Though the outward man perisheth, and we've watched many of our brothers and sisters, the outer man perish. The Bible says the inward man is renewed day by day. A Margaret Sperling who can barely read because her eyesight is so dim. And she says to me, Pastor, I can't get to church, but I'm praying for you. She was fruitful in her old age. Now she's with Jesus. A Judy Custer who prayed, who witnessed, who touched the faces of our young people and looked into their eyes and said, I'm going to die with this cancer, but I want you to know that God has a purpose and plan for your life. She was fruitful in her old age. She wasn't sour. She wasn't saying, why me? 
while she was fruitful. Arani shook. His body was riddled with cancer. Remained faithful to the day went home. Dean Powell. We could list them on and on, one after the other. They weren't frail trees. They didn't lose their leaves. They bore fruit. And now they're with Jesus. These are the promises that God has made to us. Exceeding great and precious promises. I would submit to you this morning, it is a good thing to give thanks unto the Lord. So let's do it. Would you bow your head and your heart with me? And would you just thank the Lord this morning, where you sit, <clears throat> for his loving kindness. You may be here this morning and you don't know Jesus as your Savior. You are not the recipient of his loving kindness. I want you to know he loves you and he wants to save you. And if you'll respond to his offer of salvation, he will save you. He's a faithful Savior. He's a loving Savior. Many of us know that we need God's loving kindness, don't we? I'm glad he doesn't get impatient with me. I'm glad he doesn't get frustrated with me. I'm so thankful for his loving kindness and for his faithfulness. That's the grace he bestows. For the works that he's performed, think of all he's done for you. Maybe you're troubled today because you need him to do something for you. He will do it. He'll do what's perfect and right. He'll rest in his work. May God help us. Give thanks for the victory he's won. You're not a loser in this thing. The devil would have us convinced that that's true. But we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. We share in his victory. We're on the winning side, and we have many great and precious promises. Let's embrace them. Let's thank God for them. It's a good thing to give thanks unto the Lord. Thank you for listening. We pray that God has used his word to speak to you today. If you'd like to learn more about Tabernacle, you can visit us online at tabernaclebaptistchurch.com. There, you'll find additional information about our church, opportunities to partner with us financially, as well as other resources that we hope can be a help to you. May God bless you, and thank you once again for listening.